Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. Put your hands together for Guy, Delille, and David Yulin. So, um, oh, that's a little loud, right? I should back it up. We're gonna we're gonna talk for about half an hour or so, and then we'll open it up to questions um, from you. I've got some small notes, like the president. And I like to wing it, hopefully with less disastrous results. Um, <clears throat> and um, the first thing, actually, so we'll, we're gonna talk about Hostage, which is the new book, which is Guy's new book. But we're also gonna go back and talk about um, some of the other work in the the kind of general arc of the career. The first question I want to ask. Um, as a journalist myself, is I would, let's talk a little. Can we talk a little bit about this notion of graphic journalism? I've talked to Joe Sacco a little bit about this too, and the mm-hmm. idea that you know, big conversation in the United States at the moment has to do with sub- subjectivity in journalism. In all journalism, I think is subjective to some extent, but in graphic journalism, we really are dependent on a kind of subjective vision of the journalist because you are not only selecting the material you're um, you're 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 working with, but you're actually kind of interpreting it visually as well as repertorially. So I wonder if we can just talk, beginning, start by talking kind of generally about those challenges and, and, and your thoughts on the question of, of comics as a journalistic medium. Yeah, well, you mentioned Joel Sacco. He's a journalist, so and he, he, his, his comic book talks about journalism. Um, I don't, I don't feel like I'm a journalist at all. I, I go in some place with my wife. I take notes, and if I have anything to, to talk about, then I do a book. But I can spend a year in some place and come back, read my notes, and well, there's not enough material, so there's no book. So I don't think a journalist could work like that. And I talk about my kids. I talk about my car, the problem I have with that, and so I mix everything, like everyday life. Um, so I do a bit of explanation because comic book is very good at exp- explaining stuff mm-hmm. and and doing funny things too. It's very it's very good for that. So I try to mix all of that, and um, I, I don't have the feeling that I'm a journalist. I more have the feeling that I'm writing a long postcard to my family to explain them what I've what I've been through during the year where, where I was in in Jerusalem or Burma. So yeah, I feel that I'm I'm quite far away from being a journalist. Well, I, I think that's yeah. I mean, I. I Let's talk about that, though, in relation to Hostage. Hostage is more of a kind of, it, it, it's a departure in the sense that it is really um, someone else's story, right? It's Christophe mm-hmm. Andre's story. You are the, um, you know, you're the, you're the, the gatherer. The, the book begins with an image of the two of you sitting at a table and you testing the, the, the tape recorder and saying, okay, it's on, yeah. start, and then, um, and then we move into his story. And you are not, a, you're only a character in that very opening, mm-hmm. um, opening moment. How did? Um, how is that different? I mean, how is that different? It's obviously different for us as readers, but how is that process different for you as a as a as an artist and a and a writer? Well, it was so different that uh, it took me so long to to say, well, okay, now I do the book, otherwise I have to forget about that, because uh, I've I've been thinking about it for like 15 years, something mm-hmm. like that. And um, so I record Christophe. Uh, so we did some kind of maybe journalistic work in, in the way that I, I just transpose his story in, into, um, into a comic book. But then again, I don't really feel like a, like a journalist because uh, all I do is record him, put that all into pieces in, in chronological order. Mm-hmm. And since I like to work with small details, well, uh, I just... I put all the details that Christophe told me in a way that it's really immersive. So, like, you're in the head of Christophe and you go through his experience just like he did. That was the whole point of the book. Because when I hear about someone who's kidnapped, I always think, what would I do? Would I, would I try to escape? Would I fight with the people? Would I do that? Well, it's really hard to know for lots of reasons. But going uh, and having uh, Christophe telling me that story in, in all sorts of details, I thought, well, we have to make a book with that. So I just tran- transpose his story. 
I love that. I love this idea of working with small details. It's one of the things I admire most about your work. I wonder if you can talk a little bit more about that as a kind of just as a as an idea or a strategy. Um, first of all, what you mean specifically by it in terms of the the physical details of the room, but also the intimate details of the day to day life. I think right, and mm-hmm. um, and also how that helps to kind of build a character or a scene. Well, that's what I do when I'm in Jerusalem, for example. I I go on the street and I see these garbage that are uh, there's uh, they're fuming, and uh, and I can talk like for pages just on these garbage and the cats that go around that look like the 1950 cats from the cartoons that we watched when we were young. Um, So yeah, I like to. uh, I've been invited once to uh, ethnologist um, program to talk about my books because they thought that my books were like some work of ethnologists. I thought, yeah, this is for me. I I feel closer to uh, like some part that the ethnologists do, not the analysts after, because I leave that to the reader. But the first part where you gather these small details, um, I like to observe because that comes from the drawing where you sit at some place and then you look at all the angles you do your drawing and you just focus on something. Um, it's it's that way of looking, but with words and text, because you do comic books. And um, I worked the same way with Christophe André, because he told me all these small details. And I knew right away when, he, when, when I was with him in the restaurant, because I met him hmm, 15 years ago. I read his story first on the newspaper. And then I, was a, I had a friend who worked at the same NGO. And she said, well, Christophe is going to come and eat with us. And I thought, oh, he's probably not going to want to talk about that story, because it's probably like traumatic. Usually that was fairly. Close, 15 years ago was fairly close. It was only a few years after the, yeah. after it had ha- it happened. In ni- he was kidnapped in 1997. Yeah, in, yeah. in Chechnya, three months after his first mission in NGOs. So just yeah, no luck at all. And um, he came back, and I saw him in 2001. And then I did the recording in 2003. And then it took a long time to uh, actually finish the pro- well to really put the process. And then I was traveling a lot, so I was thinking, well, I'll do it next year and the next year. And then yeah, I realized that well, 15 years have passed. Now it's time to do it somehow. So, did you know when you first met him, you had read about him and then he was coming, you were having lunch, did you know yeah. at that point, did you know initially that he was, that this was something that you might want to uh, make a book about, or was it through the process of first getting to, getting to, to speak with him that you developed uh, no, the idea? I, I actually, I saw, I saw, I read his story and I thought, wow, this is such a great story that actually I mentioned uh, a story in the, one of my first book, uh, Shenzhen, The mm-hmm. Little Things That I've Done on China, and so someone said, you know, you talk about him in your book, and uh, he's going to come and eat with us and and at the time there was people coming back from uh, I remember in France from uh, kidnapping uh, and uh, they would explain on the radio that it's very hard to come back for lots of reasons and even one of them, Brice Flotio a guy from Toulouse that committed suicide when he came back his wife was she was gone with the guy from Paris Match Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he, you know, he just. Uh, so I thought maybe Christophe he doesn't want to talk about that. And uh, during that, that, that I didn't think. Uh, I, I just when he, he, he tell us all that story from beginning to end with all the little chapters, all the little details. I remember with my friend, we were just there looking at him, going like, "Wow, this is this is great." And I thought, well, we should put that into pictures because right away I know that okay, this is a story with just a lot of small details, and for me it's perfect. I like to work with that. Mm-hmm. And then from these small details, you, you get a long story. And yeah, I wanted to work on time, so that's why there's so many pages. Right. Now, um, when you, as you did the, uh, let's, can, let's, can, let's, can we talk about the process of making the book? I'm really interested in that idea, both the initial material, the recordings, but at what point do you start, did you start drawing right away? Did you, uh, did you when you're kind of taking notes, I, I assume, I shouldn't assume, I'm wondering, do you take visual notes in the form of sketches as well as written notes, or how does, how does, how does, how does a work like this begin to yeah, that's, take shape? that's a problem. Uh, I remember Joe Sacco was saying that, because knowing that you have to, to draw the whole thing, Thing. I would I would ask so many questions to Christophe. I was asking, so what do these guys look like? Are they old? What they're dressed like? What what are they wearing? And then I, and all these questions. I remember I asked him, okay, the bowl of soup. What does the bowl of soup look like? And he, I don't remember what it looked like. So uh, yeah, it was just in one room that was easy. And then the, so the, I didn't need a lot of reference, but but still I had to ask him all these questions. Were there just white walls? And yeah, they were all white. And, <laughs> So you have to ask like millions of questions, and I record him for a, a day, like a long day. We went into cafes, and then from that recording, and um, 
one the document that the NGO did right after to keep a trace and all that. So I had these two, but I w it was mainly just on his, him talking that I've put in two little pieces to to put the the, the whole thing in order because I didn't want to do flashbacks. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do. Uh, meanwhile, in France, they all go crazy because they don't know where. I wanted just to start from point A and then to go you know, do the whole story, so the reader just stay in the room, stay with him, and just um, go through exactly what he has lived, yeah. Because yeah, I mean, that to me, one of the most powerful things about the book is that it remains constantly focused on him, and all, only where he, only in the rooms in which he is. So, when he hears a noise outside, you know, there are all those moments where he hears bang, you know, he doesn't know what it is. It could be gunfire, it could yeah. be this, and we don't know either. That's right. And there's also those moments where he's keeping track of how long he's been in captivity. Yeah. Uh, and he's, you know, he's, he's thinking, okay, it's Monday, something's going to happen today, and he's wondering whether anyone knows about him, or he's, he's trying to piece it together. I think it's so effective that we don't know anything that's happening outside of the room. That's right. We just, we just go through his mind and, and feel the same thing. And he was saying to me, he thought he would be there just for a weekend, and then maybe three days and then he would go back and finish his work on Wednesday something like that and then three days go by a week goes by and then two weeks goes by and then he start. And he told me you start to think into months and then you go crazy because in your mind you're not ready for months you can only say well it's going to be two weeks maximum I cannot, I cannot stay longer than two weeks mm -hmm. so I wanted to show that process mentally how, how, you, how you don't go crazy basically uh, on just doing nothing because if me I mean for one day you just attach where you have no pencil, nothing to read, I would go crazy over a week, and then weeks goes on, and then so in your head, how do you how do you focus? How do you construct yourself? And against these guys, because at one point he start to say thank you and good night, and then because they come, they give him a cigarette, and then they drink vodka, vodka together. Yeah. Or let him watch. Or let him watch football. Yeah, yeah, at one point, so he's you know he's he's not he's, he hasn't been um, he hasn't been abused physically, so that's good for him. But it's just a time that goes crazy and him trying to see everywhere any what he can take advantage to escape if there is any chance to escape so that goes in his mind all the time and at one point he sees why do I say thank you to these guys because I mean I'm attached here all day long and this has been weeks so he was kind of going into a uh, a Stockholm syndrome, maybe, and I wanted to show that because after that he said, "Well, now enough of Mr. Night Guy." And the day after, he felt much better, much stronger, and uh, he was ready to escape again. So there's these steps where he he felt uh, stronger. He was very afraid to collapse mentally because he knew that if he collapsed, he was just going to go in, in like depress and probably miss maybe something that can happen, and he could take advantage to escape. Right. So he was trying to always stay alert. Yeah, it's interesting too that that notion, not just in terms of well, partly the alertness, the memory stuff, right? The the you know when he starts doing the alphabet of the uh, yeah. of the of the, of the, the generals in war, yeah, um, because he's he's a military buff. Mm -hmm. um, the way that he kind of keeps himself present in the world is sort of either through memory or even the constrained circumstances of his daily life when they unhandcuff him so he can eat or go to the bathroom or whatever and he gets a few minutes to kind of walk around and mm. figure out where he um, where he is. Is it you know it's a long book I don't mean in a bad way it's it, it needs to be long to tell the whole story but it is also that kind of very constrained physical um, mm -hmm. environment. What were the challenges in terms of you know Jerusalem is also a long book but Jerusalem you have the whole city as a kind of a landscape in which to yeah. have the narrative it take goes place. in all yeah. directions yeah um, this, so this one is just one that's right, so all. what are the challenges of, of producing a kind of extended narrative it has to be extended to tell the whole story but it is especially visually it has to be in this very constrained yeah. um, space um, it was to find the balance that the rhythm is even if it's slow that there's still um, like it's a kind of a minimalistic suspense because uh, I want the reader to turn the page but then there's all these information that goes on and then somehow yeah that, that was the challenge to find a good balance between not, not be boring and, and show everything that I wanted to show in, in a way that you know the people are going to turn the page. <laughs> um, and also the question I have is in terms of, because the other books have focused really on you as the main character or on your, your stand-in, right? Your, your yeah. fictionalized version of you in a certain way, the created version. Um, was there a different sense 
of responsibility in the sense, you know, because he had, in, uh, you know, in some ways had entrusted you with his story. Is there a different, I mean, yeah. is, how, and how does that affect the way that you create what comes out on the page? Well, that's probably why it took me so long to do it, because I was always postponing it, because it's much easier to do, like, the bad parenting guide or the, the some something that I do talk, because I can put myself into not-so-fantastic situation, but I don't care. But, you know, I had to put words in Christophe's mouth, so the only way to do that, I've included him in the process right from the beginning so I said well Christophe I'm going to write pages and send them to you and then you give me feedback otherwise I just don't know I, I don't know what to write exactly so I started and then uh, he you know we went back like that we, and he just changed a few things basically not much and he, he trusted me and we, we did know each other quite well after 15 years because we have lots of points in common we have kids of the same age so we would see each other uh, every second year or something so um, yeah he just let me go and we change a few things here and there, and after that, yeah, it was it was much easier than I thought actually. And he was uh, so he was with Doctors Without Borders. Yeah, and he st- still he is. Still is. And and your wife had worked with Doctors Without yeah. Borders also. Yeah, that's how we met. That's how you met. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wonder at the you know is that does because of because of the the both of them having a relationship with that organization and because of what happened is does that somehow does that charge it for you in a certain sense um were you ever worried that the same kinds of things might happen um to you or your family while you were in uh, in in other places well th- after that that was the first kidnapping they had in the doctors without border and they've learned a lot from that first experience they had a few one after so now they're they're very they're very uh, they take care of a lot of yeah they, they don't want to have uh, kidnapping like that so whenever there's like there's a red line and they train the people Mm -hmm. if there's a kidnapping don't do this don't do this so there's (laughs) the first thing they said said uh, wait for us we're looking for you and uh, don't try to escape (laughs) right right right. (laughs) but at the time you know Chris Afandri was different 1997 and uh, but I've never been in a situation where I I felt any danger or or any kidnapping because they put family in capitals where it's actually quite safe The, 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 the staff they go on the field much further uh, they can be in situation where it's a bit dangerous but usually you know they're very careful not to have that that, that type of or well, the problem they have these years is, is that they start to uh, in, in they start to bomb hospitals I mean that's that's a crazy thing we have now um, the, the war it goes in all sorts of direction and now the they, they stop over nothing that's the, that's so much against the Geneva Convention now they, they bomb the hospital everything you can do everything these days you have the feeling yeah yeah, um, I'm curious about the you know that in terms of that tension as you were just saying you know what do you do they say don't try to escape you yeah. you know stay there and that is one of the questions that he asks in the narrative if I had you know he he has to dis, you know thinks he thinks about you know if I have the chance to should I sit tight are there people working to get me or should I try and take my if if the opportunity arises should I take my fate into my own hands yeah. and it is actually you know, an unexpectedly difficult um, dilemma for mm-hmm. it makes sense, but I'm curious about your sense of, um, of of that unknowing, right? I don't not knowing what to do in a in a given situation. Uh, it's funny because Christophe, for him, his job or his duty, being an ostage, was to escape. Mm-hmm. So he said, if I go, I had to do the best to escape, and if it doesn't work, well, at least I will know that I've tried everything possible. And well, too bad they've lost a lot of money, which depressed him so much that uh, that was the worst time of his life and uh, uh, yeah he, f- he found that he had to do that because uh, otherwise he, he, he would feel so terrible uh, towards the people that he worked with mm-hmm. and he was an administrator somehow so he was always trying to you know have the maximum with the money and then not spend as much and then all of a sudden they say you know you, they're going to spend a million dollars to get you back and he just go wow no that's not possible that's too much I don't know how how, he, how much he was thinking he was worthing maybe half of that no that's one of the most re- that's one of the remarkable him. scenes right early in the book when they he gets on the phone they put him on the the, the hostage takers put him on the phone with um, his associates and they say they're asking for a million dollars and he says that's what don't pay it that's way too much yeah. I would be like pay it give them you know give them five million dollars just get me out of here yeah that's what most people would do but that's where for, for me that's the real moment of heroism because mm-hmm. after two months of being attached to a radiator in a room where you don't know where you're going to be uh, he, he's, he's able to say to these guys you know don't pay them I, I can hang on longer but don't pay 
<laughs> right, right. Wow. Yeah, you have the nerve to say that. Would you do another book yeah, that that um, revolves around an external figure? Um, if the right story, if the right story came around, I mean, in terms of um, it opening up your perspective on your own work, what, what was that like? Well, now I have a lot of people who write me emails about their in very interesting life, and they want me to illustrate <laughs> that. <laughs> I'm sure there are plenty of stories in here. We can, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can tell you two. Just, just two quick. One was in a sect. Fifteen, fifteen years in a sect, but it, it was very too, uh, yeah, too, too strange, too weird, um, and that's not too much my thing. Uh, and another guy was, um, he was fetishist of being attached. And uh, and to have like a mistress, and so he has that double life that he wanted me to to show, and um, so he said, "I really like your book because, of course, it's 300 pages of a guy who's attached." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking, it's probably the the only guy who, uh, when Christophe finally escaped, uh, he could just go like, "Oh no, that's too bad." <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, no, this story of Christophe, it's a meeting, it's someone we met, and then after 15 years, we came be- became friends. No, I, I don't see that happening again, even though it has to be. I was very fascinated by people that were kidnapped, the, when they come back, how it works. And I don't know, I always felt it's something I cannot relate to someone who is in a sect at all, mm-hmm. or someone who has fetishism of being attached. Well, maybe just a little bit. And uh, uh, But someone who's kidnapped, for some reason, yeah, I just, you know, my heart goes with him completely, because you just happen to be there at the wrong moment uh, at the yeah. wrong time. And this can happen if you go to Mexico, to go to Colombia, to go to Philippines, uh, in lots of places. And uh, it's just fascinating, because he loses freedom completely. What do you do in a situation you have no control over your life? Even when you go to the toilet, it's it's not you who decides. So right. that's that's how you go crazy, and that's why when he had the chance to talk, that he wanted to make a statement like "Don't pay them." That was the first time that he could just change something or try to change something, where he could like, "Oh, now it's my turn to ta- to talk." Well, don't pay them. <laughs> right. He asserts himself in that same yeah. way that he also decides, as you say, he's not going to thank them or be that's friendly. Right. right? That the and one piece that, of power he has. Yeah. Right. After that, he felt like super strong. He said, yeah. "Well, now I really have to," and he was just looking around like crazy doesn't change things a lot but uh, yeah he had like two chance basically mm-hmm. um, I'm curious I want to talk about some of the other books too which seemed to me um, the first book of yours I read was Jerusalem and um, and that and as well as the you know uh, the other books seem to me to be incidental in the best sense, right? They grow out of just the experience of daily life, of daily, the daily life of, mm-hmm. of living in a place mm-hmm. um, and I'm curious about how that evolved for you as a as a style of, of, of narrative? Well, I always work the same way. I take notes wherever I go. That's what I've done when I was in China for the first time. And mm-hmm. I, I came back to, to, from China. I said, well, maybe these stories, if I put myself in there, that'd be fun. And it was just a short story. Then we did a, a second one. And then we decided to do a book with that. Mm-hmm. So that's... 20 years ago, and then I uh, was sent to uh, Vietnam. I took notes, I came back, and I had not much to say that it was just fun and I had a great time. So basically just touristic stuff, and for me that's not enough. So I was sent away to uh, Pyongyang, same for the work. Outs- they were outsourcing animation. And uh, so I, sp- I spent the first half hour. They give me flour, so I knew what these flour uh, were for. We And they said, we're not going to go to the hotel first. We're first going to go to like there's a nice hill where you can see the city. It's very nice. So I know where we were going because I was briefed by my, my, my company. Uh, so we go in front of the statue of Kim Jong-il and then the flower, you put them in front of the statue and you, you pay your respect to the dear leader. And I was, as I was going like that, I was thinking, you know, the stuff you have to do to <laughs> earn your living. And at the same time, <laughs> I was thinking, well, this is only half an hour and I think there's going to be enough material to do a book. Right. <laughs> So that was, you know, I, I, I spent two months there, but there was enough stuff to talk about. And um, I worked the same way to going to uh, Jerusalem or uh, Burma, working on the, uh, I take notes, and then I start, I start to work on that when I come back home, because I've, I've tried when I was in Burma to work while I was there, but I was so too much close to the subject. Everything seems to be interesting, because you're in an exotic place, and, and it doesn't work. And then when I came back, I actually removed a lot of pages that I've done while I was there. 
So now I don't do that. Well, I don't have much choice because now I have two kids. So whenever I go somewhere, my wife works. And I just go around with the kids and do whatever I have to do as a father. So that's what happened in Jerusalem and, and mostly in, in Burma as well. And I come back and everything that I find funny, strange, a bit weird, or just interesting because I've learned, especially in, in Jerusalem, uh, I put that in a book. So that's why for me it's like a, a postcard where I put everything that I've, I, I think it's interesting. I love the use of the kids because it, it um, on the one hand, it makes it so sort of mundane in a way. You're, you're with the kids, you're trying to figure out what to do with them. On the other hand, it allows you access, it sort of allows you to move around the city, you, you, you know, and so the balance That's between right. the sort of personal story yeah. and the larger story is really, um, is really effective. Yeah, and you know, we travel with kids, anyone who has traveled with kids, you get to meet people that are more, uh, well, you're a family, it's very safe, people can talk to you and see you, especially when you have a little foreign kids, they, they all go crazy. I mean, Burma, my, my son was very popular much more than me <laughs> so that was fun to see and uh, yeah we have very good memories from that place and uh, yeah it's a different way to travel with children of course so if you know like in, for instance so as you're saying in, in Pyongyang you knew within the first half hour let's say that you that there was enough material <laughs> oh, yeah. for, for a book um, does that change I mean if you know that you're Let's say if you know you're going to write a book rather than thinking that you might write a book, does that change the experience of being there? Yeah, I don't think I could do that. I could go and say, well, okay, like, uh, I'm going to go there. Because it happened to me once. I was in two months in Vietnam. I came back and, you know, everything was fun and great. It's like a funny picnic. Well, for me, it doesn't make a book. I need right. more than that. Uh, if I would have stayed a year, I think, in, in Vietnam, I would probably go deeper in the country and then get to meet people like I did in Burma where I got to meet these people that were doing doing animation and illustration. I was hanging with them. That was great. So I thought, well, that's interesting. And sometimes I come back, just like in Jerusalem. I came back from Jerusalem. I was thinking, I don't think I can make a book with that because it just seems to be too complicated to explain because I, I spent a year with journalists and people that works in NGO and the UN and the ICRC. And they have lots of knowledge about the place because they've been there for seven, ten, and sometimes more than that years. And every question I had, they could answer with lots of details. So, you know, my head was so full of information that I thought were all great, but I said I cannot put all that in a book. That would looks like a, you know, a big thesis. That, that that's not possible. So I waited a few months, and then I start with the first page where I have to buy diapers for my daughter, and we pass through a, a big mall, and then I said to the people, uh, "Can we go there?" And then they say, "What's well, a colony?" And then uh, and we're not supposed to encourage the colony, but it's Sunday. Everything else is closed. So what do I do? So I thought, "Wow, this is well." That's a good way to start. Mm -hmm. Everything, even just buying diapers, becomes politics when you're in Jerusalem. <laughs> right, right. And then you also have all the history. I mean, one of the most, you know, for me, one of my favorite passages in the book is is the one where you're saying, you know, right, Jesus could have walked here, right? This, this, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. You know, so you're really thinking about both history and you know, and mythology and and all of these things overlapping in in a, in a landscape like yeah. uh, like that. I would have liked to talk more about the historical. I could have made just one book on on Jesus because there's so much, everything that is on the Bible, there's a trace uh, on the city, which is just impossible. And we know it's fake, but people even go there to pray, even mm -hmm. though it's not there, probably. So, yeah, <laughs> there's lots of things to say. But I had to talk about the political aspect as well, otherwise uh, you, cannot, you, you cannot not mention the conflict there, because right. it's so present. Right. Of course. And as far as, I mean, I'm curious about the, the question of portraying yourself, right? You portray yourself, uh, there's a, it's a heightened, I'm assuming, it's a heightened version of you in some way. You're, you're playing up certain things for, for narrative effect or for dramatic effect? Um, um, I would say more a, more a resume or like just a few facets of my personality. Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, I am quite, kind of naive and uh, I didn't know nothing about the conflict going there. Can you believe that? Uh, that didn't really interest me, that part of the world. I was much more into Asia and all these countries over there. And then, well, we happened to be in the Middle East. So, well, okay, let's see what's going there. And uh, I, I didn't read anything about the conflict. Uh, so yeah, that's one aspect of me, and then you cannot explain the whole aspects of you, because they're not all interesting, and the ones that are very efficient for what I do, like the humor, the stuff that I explain, I use these ones, so that's a 
limited that's a limited part of me but it's still me it's the same for the secondary character that's even more simple I show my wife which she's always like like that <laughs> because when she's working she's like that but other than that she laughs all the time but I don't show that because I don't have time to show all the aspects of the personality well you know always and anyway and creating narrative is always about selectivity right you have to pick yeah. the detail as you're talking about those very small details you have to pick the small details that support the story that you're that's right that you're telling yeah so uh, I'm always yeah, I'm always lost in cities and I don't understand stuff it takes me time so that works well with what I have to explain and show and, and make funny things so that's why these aspects of my personality are, are very present in these books yeah. I also want to ask you a little bit about the question of work and how work comes into the books I mean in in, um, in Pyongyang or in, in uh, Shenzhen you're you're there work you're there for work you're there for working um, in Jerusalem you go or your character goes and speaks to um, Palestinian kids about about mm-hmm. um, about drawing cartoons um, I'm curious about how that that it, it's a little. It's not meta, but that question of how you, um, how does that? It allows you to talk about the form in some way. It allows you to talk about about uh, drawing and, and making comics in a way yeah. within the comic that you're making. And I'm curious about that as a as a part of this books. Um, well, on the process, the way it works while I'm there. Uh, well, you 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 have one year to understand what's going on, so you you go, and then I get to meet people from the NGO, like these wives that were from Tel Aviv, and they were monitoring. Um, I, I I saw them. Uh, in the neighborhood where we were and they said oh come someday and uh, when you arrive in a new place you are very eager to get contacts and and to know people and to have kind of a base somehow so whenever I had a chance I was saying like yeah okay and then I would go in place that normally I wouldn't go I don't think so because uh, when you have your own life you, you, you have all stuff, stuff to do but it, there's a bit what happened that's why it's one year was being very concentrated because I knew that I wouldn't stay there I wouldn't come back and then I go see the the, the people I, I go with the tour uh, or the Hebron tour with the settlers and then I do the Hebron tour with the, these um, breaking the silence guy and that was super interesting to see and uh, yeah so it's been a concentrated year where I try to put everything so if I ever do a book there I'm gonna have stuff to do I'm always thinking well I need to you know uh, and the more it goes the more I need some because in China I was just traveling it's more or less touristic stuff but now I need to be in a situation where wow this is so new and interesting I'm sure nobody has seen that before mm-hmm. that I, I and then I need to that sparkle something that say yeah I'm gonna do a book with that because this is very interesting because I'm always afraid to bore people so I think that's why I like doing comics because it's very Concentrate. You you have five sentences in one page, seven mm-hmm. maximum, mm-hmm. and a few drawings. So if you can just put everything in one page, then you go to the other. So that's why I like about comics because it's very efficient. If you need a drawing that saves you a lot of uh, text, then you use it, and then the opposite works as well. Mm. Do you make the pages at scale, or do you? I mean, the books are the size they are. You know, in in when Spiegelman was doing Mouse, he did he actually drew the pages, or he said he drew yeah. the pages at the size that they were published. Do you do that, or do you? No. Draw I work a, a bit bigger, especially when you'd have to do background. Yeah, some work one-on-one, which is uh, it's very hard to do because uh, yeah, no, especially for the text because I write it by hand. It's nicer when it's when it's shrinked down a little bit. Uh, I work in the morning. I, I don't prepare the whole plan of the book. I just read my notes and say, oh yeah, this was interesting, and then I start my day doing the the drawing in the morning and the sketch, mostly roughly, and then I draw in the afternoon. I do one page a day. So when you do a book of three hundred page it takes a year and a half two years mm-hmm. and you need to have that pace otherwise it's, it would be too long same with uh, the hostage I was doing one page a day and I was actually almost doing uh, the same day that Christophe André was kidnapped because I was at some point at the same time <laughs> and had these um, handcuffs that I bought uh, as a reference on my table so I, I was doing like the work every day every day that's these these handcuffs I felt I was like almost handcuffed myself to finish <laughs> that because after 300 pages I was like a marathon I was kind of going like eh, that's too much and w- I, one last sort of nerdy question and then I want to open it up to questions from you guys but so if you're doing if you you're not writing necessarily with a plan no right not, not so I mean I understand how this works for prose this is how I write prose also but it's, it's 
it feels to me because that's my natural medium. It's it, I, I understand how I throw things out. Um, how do you edit? How do you revise a a, a piece of graphic um, literature? I have good friends that reads them around. Yeah, after especially after page three hundred, I had a doubt. Like, well, this is just going to be a boring book. <laughs> and I said, is it is that suspense working or not? So I, I've passed it around. Because after 300 pages, it was too big that I, I, I couldn't see the whole picture. And so I passed it around and said, you know, you know we want the rest. What's, go, you know, what's coming after? I said, okay, it's good. And then I started. They show, sometimes they said, well, here it's kind of confusing. I don't understand this and this. And since I know them well, I know if I change it or not. Because sometimes they have their own little things. Uh, and it's better to work like that. And sometimes it's, if it's a place where I, I was not so sure and they say, well, this is kind of confusing, then I change, of course. Will you change a panel? Will you re re redo the entire page? How does, um, um, how does it, the revision process work? Well, it can be both because sometimes just on the text, you can, you can, you can balance with the text, but sometimes the drawing is confusing. Mm -hmm. At one point, uh, Christophe André was like that, and on, uh, he was on the side, you see it from the front. And and he said he looks like he's uh, sucking his thumb. Right. And uh, I thought, oh, yeah, that can be confusing. And mm -hmm. I changed it, mm -hmm. of course. And uh, I've, I've seen it like 10 times before, and I didn't see it. So, yeah, you need to have different uh, yeah, beta testers to, um, to, to work on your stuff, yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you for talking <laughs> with me about this. Um, let's let's, let's oh, give you yeah. a hand. Um, and then um, just raise your hand and we will call on you. Yes. Talk a bit about the use of color and light in hostage. Yeah, um, the whole process was uh, I've used uh, a drawing that is more realistic than what I do in the other books because uh, they're funny. This one is, has no humor in it. I didn't want to have something that looks cartoony. So I've used that sketchy line on flying paper that I would scan. So there's no like real page. It's just I have a box full of drawings that I've done for the book. At the end of the day, I would scan all the drawings that, that makes the page, put them together. So I have that kind of sketchy, kind of uh, sketchy uh, drawing, kind of fragile, like Christophe André was. So that was the idea. Keep it very simple. Uh, simple story. Uh, it's just the stretching of time that 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 is very important. And um, uh, simple story, simple line, simple drawing, uh, and simple color. Because I thought of doing it in black and white. Then I try a little, just one color for the shadows, and it worked fine. I said, yeah, uh, just one color is going to be enough. So it's a big homie. It's just a two-color book. I love the way the light migrates across the wall, the sunlight. Mm. Comes. Yeah, it's funny. A lot of people mentioned that. It's a page I was thinking of removing, actually. Uh, <laughs> Somehow, yeah. Uh, when you go back and write your memories, do you find yourself remembering? Remembering? Yeah. yeah, it's a mix of both, because from these notes, I have to do it like a few months after, six months, but I still remember the whole year that's behind me, but not completely, so I have a very bad memory. That's why I took notes um, from the, uh, when I was in China, because I, I forgot the first trip I did. It was four years before. So I took notes, and then I used that uh, to do my comics. And uh, when I read my notes, yeah, I remember, of course, like, oh, yeah, this was interesting. Sometimes it's just one note, and this brings me back the memories and I say yeah this is interesting well we're going to talk about that in the book and then I put it so it's a mix of both if anyone well I was thinking about a lot of graphic novels have been adapted as films and I'm wondering if anyone if you've ever thought about actual your works or if anyone has approached you yeah people have approached me but it, it didn't work uh, so far but me doing adaptation of my own stuff, no. Because I've worked in animation, that's my first job, and I know what, what kind of work it is. And um, for me, doing comics is a lot of freedom because I don't have to convince anyone that it's a good idea to do a book like that. I just work on the book. I show it to the publisher. So it's very efficient. Um, working on an animation film, you have to convince people that this is going to be a good film. So you spend a lot of energy on not actually the art, stuff and if I want to do a science fiction book tomorrow I just start I go on my table and I just start to do it I show it to my publisher and if he likes it ah, that's going to be a book uh, film well it's going to take months and months just to try to convince people to do that so yeah no and if I do an addition of my book it's going back to uh, I've, I've done just a short film this year of the parenting thing so it's just a three minute film but I had to go back 
and redraw a story that I've done like four years ago. Wow, that's very boring to do. I prefer to. Uh, I prefer to. Of course, there's the magic of of text and uh, of of voice and sound, but uh, yeah, I prefer to do two books and three books than just one movie because that's yeah, that's the amount of time you need to do a movie. Mm. Other questions? Yes. If I have what? Oh, fictions. Um, not right now. Actually, uh, I, I, right now I would like to work on the, on a biography material. So work on someone that has exist and and talked about him. So I have like a few few ideas, and I, I'd like to work on that. Have someone else from, and uh, so yeah. Sometimes I have fictions, but uh, yeah, I haven't. Uh, it's not for now. Maybe later. Yeah. Um, yeah, I prefer that because uh, I, I kind of I work with culture gap and exotisms, and when I'm in countries with, like here, I, like I notice stuff that oh, this is different. They don't do it like that here. Uh, so I, I like that situation where, for observation, it's perfect. Um, I live in France for the past 25 years, and uh, I could have done a book uh, when I arrived in France, but not anymore because I'm, I'm part of the mm-hmm. of the country. I'm, I've I've embraced that culture. And I'm part of it, so I don't see it differently now. So, uh, that's how it works. So, uh, when, you're, when, you, when you have done books about being in different places, for reference, do you take a lot of photographs, or do you yeah, I do all that, but it has evolved. For China, I had no camera. I'm really bad at taking pictures, and I don't like it, actually. So, But it was just kind of uh, buildings with no reference. Same with Pyongyang. I had no pictures because I was thinking um, these, because I was with a, a guide and a translator all the time, they're going to feel more comfortable with me if I have, don't take pictures around. So it worked a little bit. Uh, so I had no pictures except from a friend who has taken uh, video stuff. I was using a bit of that. But uh, yeah, I need much more reference for the other ones because uh, especially Jerusalem, I took pictures. I did a lot of sketch that I've actually used because uh, the sketch I don't have so much and I know exactly what they are. Pictures I have like hundreds with the kids and uh, it would take me hours to go back <laughs> and find the good one. So instead of that, I would go on Google and find... and. Uh, yeah, it was not. It was not there when I was working on my book. It, it is now. You can go on Google Street View now in Jerusalem, and uh, but even just a Google image, you get uh, or all these Flickr stuff. I, I've. I have found the car that I've sold uh, on on Google Image. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so you find everything. <laughs> Uh, I um, I heard you when you were talking about uh, the composition of this book, and you wanted to refrain from references to what's happening in France. And the book is very self-contained in the room, quite yeah. literally. And I, intellectually, I thought that was a really great choice. Um, do you like? Uh, do you prefer uh, being that kind of grounded in the realism of the form, or is there? Do you see yourself experimenting with this sometime later on a future project? Depends on the story, but I, I remember I always go back to when I was listening to Christophe um, telling that story from beginning to end. I was going, wow, this is so good. And it was good because I was with him and then I was in the room. And if you write, well, meanwhile, in France, and then you go in France, you kind of break. I, I wanted the reader to turn the page and kind of suffocate mm-hmm. because they said, yeah, I'd like to escape, but it, it, not so easy. With 300 pages, you really have to turn. Uh, so I wanted to have that physical feeling because when you read a book, it's different. If you have a movie, it's two hours. It's going to be two hours for everyone. But a book, you can be a slow reader, a fast reader. So uh, you so you can you can take a long book. It's no problem. You just put it there and then continue. So I didn't mind that there would be a long book. Um, so it would be different with uh, some other kind of stories. And I didn't want to do uh, as well with the time uh, to say um, two weeks later. And then you see him, his beard's a bit longer, he's tired and he's more dirty. And you say, oh, two weeks has passed. No, that was not good enough. I wanted to show like days almost every day. And then you really feel the two weeks going by and you go, wow, this is only two weeks. I can't believe it. And then you go like that. So, yeah, that's, that's how, I, I've, that's how the, I saw the book from the beginning. So after that, you just have to do it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, of course. We've worked together, so he has read the book as 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 he go. And I was afraid. I didn't want to have 
uh, a bad surprise with him when he received the book on the post. So, <laughs> so he opened the books and he reads it. And uh, for his family, it's really good because they've been in that story uh, with a tremendous stress, of course. And uh, he has told them that story many, many times. But um, now that they see image and that they can see him, they can feel what he has been through, uh, for them it was very good. So they kind of, they're able to really turn the page to that to now that story is in the past. There is a book that explains the whole thing. It's it's really gone. So, yeah, they, they thanked me uh, warmly when I, I came to their place and we had a, a dinner together. So it was very nice to see that. And I remember just one thing that uh, when the book was finished, in the book he thinks about his family, he said everybody's going to be worried and they're going to talk to my sister. And then he reads and says, well, I have two sisters. So, okay, so I just rewrite the whole thing. My two sisters. So we read the prints, you read the PDF, it's all good. We print we bring the whole book and then he writes to me he said I have a brother too <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing was printed I couldn't believe it. he said how many do you have like that <laughs> and then his brother was mad so I, I had to like phone him and say that's my fault and everything yeah. and then but we first we reprinted so we changed that because it's easy to change and then I sent him a book and I signed it all earlier in your dialogue you talked about being taken into this framework of ethnology or ethnography of your designs. And when we think about ethnography or ethnology, um, we think more about written description, um, thick description as text. But here you're um, using um, the visual. And I was wondering if you can talk about uh, translating um, text into visuals and how you frame um, text into designs and what, what would be some challenges, but also what would be some advantages of actually rendering visible what text cannot um, convey here. Well, that's what you do in comics because sometimes it's if I go always for the most efficient thing. If uh, I have, uh, I can explain in in, in a drawing. Uh, I go I go with the drawing. Or if you have some mood, then it's nice because you have a drawing or something that's very beautiful. You can draw it. If you explain, it doesn't work. Um, there's an example I use once in a while. It's um, it, there is the when I was in Jerusalem. Then so the first page you have to explain the situation. We arrive. We're in the airport. So now I have two kids. There's Louis. There's Alice. There this year. And I wrote the whole thing, and I thought, well, this is so boring. So I found a way. I just have one drawing. Well, with an arrow, I just write Louis, 10, Alice, 6 years old. And that's all, because you, you understand what's going on. And, okay, boom, I'm, I'm in the house, and I say, well, now we're in Jerusalem, and blah, blah. So I like it, because it's always something you can do very efficient stuff with comics, and I really like that. Do you feel like... Uh, movies are an influence on your ability to be a visual storyteller. I, I have more uh, novels that I that I read. Actually, I read um, I read novels, and the way they treat uh, real life and their own life, it's it's very. I've I've just I've just been reading a lot of books now that I'm traveling here, and uh, so they mix the reality with their own life, and uh, I think that's really interesting to do. So yeah, I'm more influenced by novels than movies because movie. They, we always link comic books with movies, but they're so different. It doesn't really work the same way. Well, if sound, I mean, if you have anything, or um, yeah, I, I remember there was music in the comics that that all that, that works because you describe, but in a movie it would work really well. And the rhythm, the rhythm in a comic is so different because uh, you have the composition, the drawing, and then you have to turn the page. In a movie, you just sit there, and uh, if you're tired, you, you know you cannot just put the movie and, and start the rest on the next day. It's a very different approach as a, as as a reader, but as uh, the people who read or see the movie. Mm. So when you were 10 years old, did you think that you were going to be who you are today? No, not like that. I've, well, I, I was I, re, I was reading Lucky Luke and uh, Tintin and Asterix, and I thought uh, I was drawing a lot, like like lots of kids. And I, I was thinking, yeah, I'd like to do comics. I was doing comics on my own, and then I start. I, I learned animation, and uh, I was thinking that uh, I stopped reading comics at one point, and I, I, w I was just focusing on doing animation, and I thought I would do animation for the rest of my life. Then uh, I arrived in France, and I saw the independent movement, and I thought, wow, that's interesting, because this is people of my age doing comics for the people of my age. Because at one point, it was just for children uh, or teenagers, but this was different. They, were, they could talk about all sorts of more uh, uh, adult stuff. 
And I start to sending a few a few short stories, and it, it worked, and then it became a book. But it just went very gradually. It, it just, I didn't like put books, and then all of a sudden, yeah, I just do a short story that became Shenzhen, and that was, at the time, that's 25 years ago, it was just like 2,000 copies, and they were very happy. So you couldn't make a living with that. It's not possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, go ahead, and then we'll go to you. I'm curious about, since your um, graphic novels are published in English and French and you're from Canada originally, mm-hmm. how does, do you just, how do you engage with the process of writing, which do you do first, and I assume you write both, it's not translated by... No, I don't do the English version, no. No, no. Uh, no, there's a translator, and uh, but we do have discussion, though, because uh, we, we talk. I, I say, oh, can we say this and this, especially for humor, because sometimes it's nice to finish with one word specifically, and then the, so I've noticed that, so we have a few discussion on that. Yeah, since my, my English is good enough, I can read it, but not for the... Not for the... And sometimes she said, no, this sounds a bit strange. Okay, well, you, you go ahead. And uh, yeah, I like that. But uh, yeah, in the other language, I cannot do that because so far, Pyongya has been translated in 20 languages. Yeah, Turkish is the last one, yeah. Uh, uh, you're saying that novels are more of an influence uh, than films. Are there any novels, either prose novels or graphic novels, that you recommend? Well, there's one who has translated in English. Uh, I was reading uh, Emmanuel Carrère, French guy. He did a book called Limonov. So the story of a Russian guy, and, and you go through uh, the whole history of, of Russia, the recent one. And he, he's in there, like the writer. He's, he appears once in a while, and he talks. He said, oh, I was there at that time. So he kind of comes in the, in, in the story as well. It's, it's fascinating. It's very interesting. <laughs> What's it like to work on something for hours and hours and then completely forget about it? Um, you mean to have to be it's a solitary kind of work yeah that's why uh, I had two studios working on that project and one I have a little room on my own and I was saying well I have to focus and work on that which is true but at the beginning then I realized I was like all day long on my own in a room drawing about a guy all alone in a room <laughs> and I thought well I just can't take it and I just went to the yard studio where I share with um, other friends and yeah no, that's much better because <laughs> at, at you know dinner time we could go together that uh, yeah yeah I do follow a lot of people yeah I read so many comics uh, there's one that I like this year uh, by Lewis Strandheim who's called the uh, Coquelicot d'Irak. So it's actually his wife is from Iraq. She's from Mosul. And um, so he described her youth when she was in Mosul, playing around in these places that don't exist anymore. They're being bombed away. And uh, oh, it's very nice. It's very charming. And uh, it's coming at Drone and Quarterly as well. They're, they're publishing it, I think, or it's published yet. Yeah, I really liked that. Hmm. Any other? We have time for about one, I think, one or two more if anyone has any other questions. All right. Well, um, thanks. Let's give a big hand to Guy Delisle. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy.